Welcome to the Good Life EDU podcast presented by the Nebraska ESU Coordinating Council. I'm your host, Andrew Easton. Thanks for joining us as we discuss the latest in digital learning across Nebraska and around the country. All right, I'd like to welcome everybody back for another episode of the Good Life EDU podcast. And I'm really grateful to have an opportunity today to chat once again with Dr. Dan Schnoes of ESU3, who is going to spend a little time with us today talking about teacher stipends uh, and some innovative programs that are taking place here in Nebraska that are really seeking to help support those that we you might dub as student teachers. We're going to talk today even about maybe the language about that changing a little bit. Um, but thinking about those individuals and ways in which we can support them and usher them into the profession. And so, Dan, thank you for your efforts in that avenue and for joining us today for a conversation about it. Welcome back to the podcast. Hi, Andrew. Always glad to be here. Glad to have the invite to join you again. So let's talk about student teachers. Oh, yeah, it is always fun getting a chance to catch up. And so as we typically do, uh, I'm going to ask, in case people haven't heard you on some of the earlier conversations that we have, can you please uh, start off by maybe giving us a little bit of an introduction and then maybe even segue right into the why uh, behind this? So we're talking about teacher stipends. Where did this effort come from? Well, great question, Andrew. So this past fall, in some very early uh, superintendent meetings, uh, some of the superintendents were sharing some of the uh, new things that they were going to be trying out this year. And one of those uh, topics surrounded uh, paying student teachers stipends for coming in and working in their building, which most of the districts in Nebraska had never done before. Omaha Public Schools had a little bit of this happen in the semester prior, so a year ago, and they were just kind of kicking it off to see how it works. So in that conversation with uh, the superintendents, everybody thought that was a pretty unique idea, but also a challenge on how they were going to make this work. And is everybody going to do this or who's going to do it? So how this led forward then is at the end of September, we had a chance to be out in Washington, D.C. in a call to action. And a group of us administrators from across the country that were all board members with the AESA had a chance to do a sit-down roundtable with Secretary Cardona at the U.S. Department of Education. And during that time, uh, he was asking for what are some unique, great things that are happening around the country that he needed to know about. And so I shared the information about, uh, we have some districts in Nebraska, which were about 10 at that time, that were starting to pay student teachers. And he got very excited about that concept. He wanted to learn more. And before I left Washington, D.C., the following day, I had several people on a contact list that were going to reach out to me uh, because they wanted to hear more about this program and, and see where it goes. Well, I think then my next question with this would be when we're talking about paying teachers, is this like a, a negotiated agreement or is this a stipend? Like real quickly, kind of the financials that worked in, I guess, when we're talking about um, where those conversations were at that time. Yeah, good question. And that's what the superintendents were talking about, too. How are we <laughs> going to make this work? Um, but yes, you do want to steer clear of the negotiated agreements because this would be a whole nother negotiation that would have to take place. So most school districts are just simply offering a stipend to the student teachers so they don't become employees, they don't become involved in the, the collective bargaining units and those kind of things. And it just keeps everything a lot easier and a lot clearer and allows the school districts to kind of navigate that issue. And, and one of the reasons that we were intrigued about the possibility of this too, is we were planning on having a student teacher at our Brook Valley programs, which deals with handling special needs. And, 
And we felt as a service unit that if our school districts right around us were going to be paying for student teachers, then we'd have to, we were going to join in and pay for our student teacher at Brook Valley as well. And, you know, the, this whole conversation too, I, I always come from the classroom practitioner's lens <laughs> and think about, you know, my time as a teacher. And uh, when I was student teaching, well, I guess, first of all, in my program, we complete our graduate degree and then spent an entire year uh, student teaching and taking master's classes. And a number of my colleagues left the profession because of how daunting that was to have to spend the you know finances and the time to take master's courses and take an, an entire year. And so that program has since walked it back to a semester and it's dwindled uh, substantially in terms of numbers, uh, as we know that there are teacher shortages kind of all across the country and know that that has been something that's hit close to home as well. And so my question though becomes, when I was going through, I basically was told where I was going. And so to what degree do these student teachers have agency in terms of who they get paired with? Can I go someplace that has a stipend and, and opt in there rather than be assigned? So I think it's a great question. I think colleges and universities all do things a little different. I had the same kind of experience that you had. Now we had three and a half years of school. We were, you know, student teaching was the last piece that you had to do for a full semester. We told everybody what our interests were. And then we were just, we were just placed in school districts in the area that you wanted to be in. So I was, I was in Fremont uh, public schools for my student teaching, both in the elementary and the, in the high school levels. And, you know, enjoyed that very much. But at that point in time, we didn't know anything different. But the interesting piece now is, and, and you said this too, that that people are leaving the education workforce is that almost every other trade, almost every other business, almost everybody else out there is now paying for internships to entice people to come work for them. And in many cases, kids are going to a two-year college for a two-year degree, getting those pay, those two years paid for by a, a business, and then come do their apprenticeship or internship paid for. And so they're, they're joining the workforce, getting paid more than some of our starting teachers are getting paid with very little debt. So this is a wake-up call, I think, for educators all across the country to say, we need, we need to get in the game. We do want to promote kids to go into the workforce. We need to promote kids to go into the education workforce. We need good teachers. And as you mentioned in your example, some of them are getting to the student teaching phase and not only have to pay the college tuition to student teach, but then have to, all the expenses of wherever they're living or, or teaching, clothing, all the things, transportation, all those kind of things. And, and in some cases they said, I just can't do it. I can't make it work. Yep. That was us three teachers in a three uh, bedroom apartment and commuting to work together as we were student teaching. I remember those days and a stipend would have been incredibly helpful and certainly desirable because it, it is a challenging onboarding uh, to get into the classroom for the first time and, and really start to find your way in the profession and uh, as it is in any, but uh, you know, especially when you're in front of a group of 25 kiddos <laughs> and mm-hmm. maybe 150 in over a day's time. So this went at some point from a conversation that you were having to actually being enacted, right? And so what, what are some of the programs that you've seen? What kind of stipends are we talking about? Uh, and where uh, in the state have these practices been implemented? 
Well, good question. Good question. So we sent out, we worked with the Nebraska Council of School Administrators. They sent out a quick little survey when I got back from Washington, D.C. and said, you know, we need to find out if there's a few more districts around the state. So that initial survey picked up about 10 schools in the area, most of them on the eastern half of the United States. A follow-up survey done by a uh, kind of a central Nebraska superintendent uh, that we now know of that there's at least 15 districts that are offering stipends. And interesting enough, uh, they're quite the range. So most of them offer a stipend per semester. There was one that offered about $1,500 per the semester. A number of them were offering in the three to $4,000 range per semester. And so about $1,000 per month to help with those kids. So you think about student teaching starting in January. So you got January, February, March, April, most of the time, schools are wrapping up in May. So you really have about four months in there. But also a couple of smaller districts out in central or western Nebraska were offering a stipend just for housing costs as well, up to you know $500 a month, just so they can find a place to rent and to live to entice them to be in their smaller community. And then our largest dollars are in the eight to $9,000 range. And what those districts did is said, so if you were working just a regular job and earning minimum wage of, of, you know, if you're out there working and a lot of those jobs are paying 15, 20 bucks an hour. If we use those dollars and paid student teachers those dollars for the work they do for a semester, it's going to come up to about eight to $9,000. That's, that's what they're going to earn over those four months time, which makes sense. So they were thinking Department of Labor, let's kind of follow you some of their guidelines let's pay these young professionals what they're worth. And so there's quite a range. And what I'm, I, I think we're going to see over time is there'll probably be some gravitating towards the middle because, you know, in our day of being told where they can go student teach, I think student teachers are now going to say, you know, I can get paid $9,000 to go student teach in this district. This one will pay me 4,000. This one doesn't pay anything. I'm struggling right now to pay bills. It becomes part of my choice. Yeah, and that will be interesting to see if that number inflates or if it normalizes somehow, because I would, as you're saying, I would imagine it would get competitive. And I also wonder too, what that would do for a school's budget. As I mentioned just a moment ago, whenever I was student teaching, I had one of my classmates uh, who was also student teaching in the same building. So there's two now two $9,000 stipends <laughs> just from the two of us. And I'm wondering then, regardless of the size of the district, what this might do to a budget when you have a number of student teachers coming in, what have you heard with regards to that piece, uh, maybe sustainability and that financial impact? I think the word from most of the superintendents is that with the influx of some of the federal dollars to help cover some of the costs in their districts, they had a little bit of extra dollars in their budget to basically say, what, what are some of the needs that we could have? Um, but all of them are using their general budget dollars to help pay for student teachers. An example, a district of just over 4,000 uh, students here right in the middle of the Omaha metro area has about 25 student teachers on average every year. And they were offering a $4,000 stipend. So this is a hundred grand now that's going to have to come out of their general fund budget that they have never budgeted before. And what the superintendents were saying is, once we start offering this stipend to student teachers, it's going to be really difficult to not budget this going forward 
because student teachers are going to talk to their peers that are in their second, third year of education saying, this is a great place to student teach and they're going to pay you this stipend. So it's going to be hard to walk this back. But the budget, depending on the number of student teachers, so then you take an Omaha public school budget, which is hundreds of millions of dollars, and they're going to, I think, you know, they have 100 to 150 student teachers at eight to $9,000 per student teacher. So now, you, now you're putting this up into the million-dollar range. And even with a several hundred million-dollar budget, when you're talking a million bucks, that's a lot of money moving forward. And what the schools are seeing is, at this point, we need to really invest in attracting good teachers, not only to education as a whole, but to their school district. And, you know, OPS superintendent would be the first one to say, we know all the student teachers we have in our district aren't going to end up at OPS. They're going to be enticed to go everywhere. But if we're helping everywhere with good student teaching experience, then we're helping education in Nebraska. Yeah, and it certainly touches upon what's going to be my next question is you're talking about big school, little school, urban school, you know, rural school, essentially, like, what is the impact? I I grew up in a town of 3000 people, which some people would say is not small, but I feel like it was pretty small. (laughs) And, and I know some of the challenges when you're an hour, hour and a half, maybe away from a big city. Um, Some people base that based upon how close you are to a target. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. But um, what conversations are you hearing about making this type of offering for lack of a better word, say equitable district to district? I mean, is that, or is that just really the challenge? You know, I think that's going to be the challenge. I, I'm not sure the superintendents have across the state have really gotten together yet to have that conversation, but I do think at some point in time, they're going to be competing for attracting young teachers to come work in their districts. And I think the more that they can offer to come into their community and, and you're right, uh, Nebraska's a huge part of their population is on the eastern part of the state. It gets pretty sparse as you move into central and western Nebraska. Great school districts out there, great quality of life, wonderful rural areas, absolutely great schools. However, you may have to drive the two hours to get to your Target or your Walmart. Or for some student teachers or some te- young teachers, they may have to travel a little bit just to be with their peer groups. And so there's attraction normally to more urban type areas or some of the, the larger cities and the larger cities in Nebraska could be 25, 30, 40,000, but there's just more to do. And those school districts are holding their own or growing a little bit. So you're going to see that grow, the growing school districts too enticing and getting some of the best teachers to come there as new teachers. Well, recently there's been even a newspaper article, front page of the Omaha World Herald, that talked about this stipend to grow student teacher numbers. So what are some of the early, I know it's probably too soon to have a wealth of data (laughs) that's like surrounding uh, its impact, but what are you seeing so far? Well, interesting in the the newspaper article, it highlighted one of the districts in the Omaha area that saw almost doubling number of student teachers from where they had just a few years ago. We happened to uh, had the opportunity in a follow-up conversation with the United States Department of Ed in November 
and we had six superintendents that were on the call with some U.S. Department of Ed officials and just sharing their story about why they're doing and what they're doing and, you know, looking at impact. And one of the districts in Northeast Nebraska, a class A school said, yeah, they were looking at twice as many student teachers in their buildings this year than they had the year before. And they're attributing that to, we're going to help you out financially in your last year of student teaching. And so when they double the amount of student teachers in the building, they double the amount that the opportunities to fill open positions and to add positions into their district. So the other impacts I think they're looking at is, which will be a question, and some of our university personnel that help place student teachers are watching this. Does the pay of the stipend to student teachers, does that impact performance in the classroom? Are their evaluations better? Do they seem to perform better when they're not stressed out about paying bills at home? Are more of the people that finish their student teaching entering and finding jobs and say, yes, this is what I want to do because of this pay or because of the stipend? And so those are some of those questions that are out, that are out there. And does it change hiring practices? Does it change the schools that kids are going to gravitate to to do their student teaching experience? So they're really looking at the whole picture to say, what impact is this going to have on us as a university? Our kids are going to say, hey, I have these thousand spots open for student teachers. These districts are paying something. These aren't. What if I said, we're going to place you over here in one that doesn't? Sorry about that. Well, you get the one that pays you $9,000 per semester. What kind of issues is that going to cause working with the people that are placing student teachers? So we don't know that yet. So this is, you know, Omaha Public Schools started with paying student teachers a year ago. We had 14 other districts now that have joined in this year. I think over the next couple of years, we're going to see more jump in. And then we're going to be able to look at that impact from from day one. That's interesting. You know, you talk about kind of unintended consequences there, right? That you kind of get started with something and then it uh, and it almost makes you think a little bit of that name image likeness NIL with uh, collegiate athletics, uh, <laughs> where sometimes you got to get the program started. And then once you start to see some of the issues with it, you tinker with the system as you go. But it's really important to at least venture into those spaces. And so uh, I'm sure that there will be continued lessons learned. And it sounds like one of the things that you're sharing there is work with higher ed on kind of navigating what that means for the pipeline potentially. And I know uh, something we talked about before we got on the call today was even extending that pipeline down into the K-12 experience. And for our high schoolers, yeah, giving them a little bit of an academy experience, maybe to encourage them uh, to be able to have a vision for the process by which they could end up in the classroom. Um, and so can you speak to that a little bit here and show up on the pod? You know, a number of our districts in the Omaha metro area and even outside, if they're large enough, are offering academies for kids. Some of the large A high schools in Omaha have just a variety for whatever type of career that you would like to work towards. Well, a number of them also have an education academy. And I just happened to a year ago be in one of our local high schools interviewing a, a young lady for a scholarship. And she was in the education academy and loving every minute of it. So once she decided, yes, this, I think this is something I want to do, even as early as her sophomore year, was provided opportunities to work with some of the freshmen to work alongside as a teacher aide 
by her junior year, now she's starting to tutor and do some things on the side. By the time she's in her senior mode, she'll have a class or two just geared to her helping out and working with groups and enticing other kids to be you know, educators working alongside a teacher. So when she goes into her college experience, then she already has a step up. And they're encouraging those students that are going through the academies in the education world to come back and student teach back in their home high school, and then hopefully to have jobs. You know, interesting enough, and I, and I didn't offer this earlier, but we might want to plug this in. For the very first time in the Omaha World Herald this fall, a school district was advertising for student teachers and paying stipends for those that were selected in certain student teacher roles. I've never seen it before, actually advertising for student teachers paying stipends. Wow. Desperate times call for innovative solutions. <laughs> and so those kids in those academies that are in those schools that have academies are now being told, hey, not only do we want you to come back and student teach, we're going to offer you some stipends probably down the road if you come back. Wow. Well, and I know too, from our professional learning, we get a chance to be a part of an ESU network. We learned a little bit about the Gen Z teacher and just that as a generation of, of folks and that there is within that group, a strong belief that their jobs should be tied to purpose uh, and to find really meaningful work and that there is a heart for what we do. And not to say that past generations didn't have that, but that that is sort of characteristic of Gen Z is to want to really not just do a job to be at a job, but to really contribute uh, in a meaningful way. And certainly is one of the most rewarding things about being in education is being able to spend your days pouring your life out into other folks and, and watching them go out and be all the better for it. So yeah, I just love uh, getting a chance to think about how to support those folks. And like you said, in their, I would say mental health and wellness while they're going through, so they're not financially strapped in, an, in a place where they can't focus on making the most of, of that experience and gleaning what they can from their teacher that they're getting a chance to collaborate with. And so thanks so much for sharing all these different points that I think are part of a just a brilliant effort that we're taking part in here in the state and obviously learning as we go. Uh, for those that are listening in, can you share a little bit, though, of like we tend to end with a call to action of sorts. And so what what should people look for in terms of I don't know, next steps? Where can they continue to get information about this uh, and, and to get involved? Well, great question. So a couple of things that we're going to do here in Nebraska. I still have my contact person with the United States Department of Ed. They're still interested in the story. So I'm going to be sharing this article out from the Omaha World Herald and our newspapers of uh, this is still a hot topic. ESU3 uh, is connected to a research firm that helps do some national research on topics. They are currently working on a paper for us to say, how many other states do this? What are they doing? And we're not aware that there's very many doing this. So we're going to collect that information and then share that out through our ESU network in the state of Nebraska and turn around and share that out with the United States Department of Ed because they didn't know either. So this is this is a really interesting topic for them. And then uh, several of the superintendents and I have talked about doing a presentation at Administrator Days in Nebraska to be able to share their stories and talk with our colleagues about, you know, what are they seeing after year one impact so that they can, you know, bring more up to speed about what they're doing. So I think this is an interesting topic. Um, as I mentioned earlier, the universities, I think the colleges are going to be looking at this. I think placement of issues are going to be looking at this. 
And you mentioned it way back in the beginning. It may be time for us to start changing the verbiage that we use and quit calling them student teachers because this is much more of a very strong clinical practice that our young people are going in. It's an internship. It's an apprenticeship. It's much more clinical. Uh, We're asking teachers to do more today than they ever have. And we're going to be asking these young professionals to be able to come in to learn the trade as they're going. And this is a much more broader, much more extensive experience than what some of us think. The old term from the old guy here of what the student teacher used to be like way back in the day. Love that. Let's, yeah, let's change the language. Clinical practitioner (laughs) or something of that nature would be terrific. And so just to reiterate there, yeah, the potential to learn more at admin days, something if you're in Nebraska that you're and looking to be a part of this conversation, reach out to your local ESU and see what information they have or how they can kind of support you. And you're thinking around maybe entering into the, these types of efforts. Uh, and I'd ask Dan too, is there, I know there's some legislation that is out there that might have an impact. And so maybe if we could speak to that briefly uh, and something as maybe a potential call to action to ask folks to reach out to their state senator. Yeah, there are there are uh, several bills that are going to be dealing with helping teachers. So in, in teachers all across the board, some teacher stipends, and there's one specifically in the legislature, and, and I can't recall the number, so I don't want to say it and have it wrong, but Senator Lynn Walls out of Fremont is sponsoring a bill that would provide some, I think, very low percentage or no percentage loans to some student people that are in student teaching to help cover some of their costs. And so they would be able to pay some of those dollars back over time. I think that's the gist of of where the bill is. I don't think it's been up for a hearing yet, but it's all about, again, supporting our, our teachers in the workforce. And, you know, when you talk about shortages, you know, and talk about the different generations come through. Well, the pandemic took a big hit on just people in the workforce in general. But it was kind of a combo effect is that the baby boomers, which I'm one of those on the end of the baby boomer schedule, are all retiring. They did a nice job, most of them, of working through, earning a retirement dollars. And with all of this going on, they're saying, I was going to retire anyhow. And this just looks like a good time to do it. And so on a national level, everybody knew there was going to be a workforce shortage because of all the retirements coming. But we also want to keep everything going that we had. And so you're just going to have fewer people. You're just going to have fewer people that are joining the workforce than than there have been before. And so competition to get people into the, the jobs is going to be critical. So it's going to come back to a combination, I think, of we got to find ways to raise pay for teachers. Everybody in the field right now, we got to do it. We have to find a way to to treat our student teachers, clinical practitioners better and pay them some dollars moving forward. Every industry in the United States has started with the foundation of good education. And we have to continue to build those kids, you know, get those young kids to be good teachers and then take care of them while they're teaching so they stay in the field. And Andrew, you're an educator. I'm an educator. It's easy for us to to preach about we need good educators, but, but that's the truth. We need good people in the field, so we need to compete. 
Dan, one of the things that I'll say in having had the good fortune to learn from you and learn about the things that you're doing, not only just in Nebraska, but also at the national level is, I think, as you mentioned, we share and, and so many of us in education share that passion for the work that we do. Unfortunately, I think there are times where we get mired in what has always been. And we always say that, that you know, the system is behind the times and we need to keep up and we're still stuck in the industrial revolution. And it takes leadership and innovative efforts and a willingness to kind of jump in to sometimes <laughs> into things uh, and build the plane while you're flying it. If you're going to keep up and help education be responsive to the needs, the the people and the times. And I really just appreciate that you're consistently on that cutting edge of stepping into those spaces and being a great leader uh, for us. And so uh, I'm incredibly grateful for your time on the podcast, um, but certainly uh, every bit as much and more so for the things that you do day in and day out, Dan. Well, thanks, Andrew. And we appreciate you getting the word out to everybody and sharing these stories because there's there's great stories to be shared about schools in Nebraska and about schools all across the country. And we're so busy, we forget sometimes to share our stories. And so we got to get the word out. But this is a great, this is a great career place. This is a great job. We do great things for kids. And and really when it comes down to that's the focus. We care about the education of our children. And we want it to be awesome. And we're going to make it awesome. All right. So if you're in a state where you do not get teacher, um, oh, hold on, clinical practitioner stipends, <laughs> then you should definitely think about doing your clinical practitioner experience here in Nebraska. So <laughs> we'll kind of end with that as a as a last call to action. Again, thanks, Dan, uh, as always, and really excited. Um, reach out yeah, to your local ESC if you have more questions about efforts along these lines. Thanks, Andrew. You have a great day. 